0: Good morning and welcome to another Club Insights Podcast. Today, I'm seated opposite Gert Rautenberg, Chief Commercial Officer of Acklin and CEO of GFA that was acquired six months ago. Gert, a very big good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for having me. Now, Gert, firstly, Luxembourg, as a jurisdiction, seems to be doing rather well, recently breaking the $5 mark in terms of assets under management. What is the secret to Luxembourg's success? Well, I think it's a topic that's been discussed um, many times
1: over over the past couple of years, but you're right. Um, I think most recently we have been doing very well. And uh, if we're if we're looking at the key reasons for that, I think some credit at least has to be given to market developments as a whole. I think uh, you know, markets have been developing well and uh, as a result probably of low interest rates globally still. And uh, not something that Luxembourg is particularly responsible for, but I think it's had its effect on our growth. Um, second, I think, you know, we've seen some movement around uh, Brexit, obviously, as a, you know, follow up to that event. If Significant you like. movement or not really? I think gradual. I think you've first, you've seen, uh, you know, management companies relocate, fund structures relocate or being started here as opposed to uh, starting them in other jurisdictions. And I think that's gradually just, uh, I think some companies have been shifting more uh, in sort of a big bang approach and others have started to set up new product ranges which have then steadily grown from there. So, but nevertheless, I think it's just um, uh, Luxembourg has been in the context of that more identified maybe as the fund servicing center of choice for many companies who before were split um, across different you know, domiciles for their fund servicing needs. Um, so I mean, I some Luxembourg people are saying
0: in the long term that London will replace Luxembourg. Now, maybe it's got the freedom to do so. Are you concerned about that?
1: Um, not particularly, really. Um, I think, first of all, I think there's the, the the market is you know big enough for for several places, and I think Luxembourg has its special niche, if you like. Uh, I guess a f- few people would say we're broader than a niche, and I would agree. But I think it's just in the fund servicing space. Mm where we've seen those volume rise, I think really um, uh, we don't have to fear London. I think London has its own areas where it's a specialist provider of services, and um, I think those would rather be complementary to what we're doing in Luxembourg, so um, not really that much competition in the same space, I think. Right, so rising valuations, uh, the impacts of Brexit,
0: anything else which is helping Luxembourg? Yeah, I think
1: those were also the foundational aspects. I think in general, um, Luxembourg has been quite successful in in adapting to market and product needs, right, of the people who um, actually launch their products from here. So this I thing has been talked about many times, The um, this uh, concentration of know-how, you know, be it legal work, regulatory work, tax advisors, um, specialist providers across the the fund administration range of services. Um, But I think most recently, I think that has um, continued. I think we've seen that in things over the years like real estate, alternatives, and now I guess ESG is another topic that's coming up. So Luxembourg has, I think, successfully positioned itself over the years as as a place
0: that can adapt to client needs and will come up with solutions for those needs. Now, One of the rising stars of the evolution of the market has been the Manco. Uh, For people that have been involved in the industry, we've sort of seen this evolution over perhaps a decade now of this famous third-party Manco structure. And they seem to be expanding their portfolio and some of them are merging or being acquired. It's quite an interesting segment, isn't it? It
1: is, yeah. And um, I think the, the Mancos are also a little bit adjacent to some of the fund administration activity. You know, I think um, a couple of years ago, we saw the start of um, private equity going into this space and trying to create scale, and I think they're still doing that. So so grouping together different um, administrators under one roof. And in the Manco space, what, what I have seen is that you've actually had quite a lot of offerings come up over the years, so smaller and larger ones being uh, built out. So so I think there's been a trend of uh, new such mancos being set up. And as that has occurred, I guess they all have their slight differences in how they present themselves. Um, But that's created more, basically, offering to clients. And that then usually, as it has done in this case, results in competition. So, um, and we're now starting to see some consolidation on the back of that, right? So, so as as you said, rightly, so um, a lot of activity, I think a lot of diverse activity, it's not all the same. And um, uh, yeah, I think uh still more to come. I think there's still a lot of movement, still a lot of entities um, looking for uh, maybe uh, a way forward uh, as they are positioned, because I think there is some, uh, uh, let's say, competitive pressure in that market as people are trying to align themselves.
0: Which of the drivers do you think is having a bigger impact? Is it the squeeze on margins or is it the rise in technology? Hmm, good question. Um, I think certainly the
1: squeeze, in uh, let's say the squeeze on revenues, is um, you know coming from more being on offer. I think the more providers you have, the more you're faced with having uh, a price discussion with your clients. Um, technology, I think, is the driver. You know, that's not. I think it has advanced to a degree where really you can these days achieve quite rapid progress without too much investment. I think there's. You know, if you're in a bigger organization, then typically IT is a big cost, and I would agree. But, but in the um, manco space, for example, um, you know, there's quite a lot of tools and technology solutions out there which actually help them make their life easier. And they themselves, obviously, are a solution provider as an outsourcing provider to their clients. So, to answer your question, which is a bigger driver for the um, for the squeeze, is it the loss in revenue? I think it's probably the market pressure from my perspective because I think um, the setups are becoming more efficient and technology is taking over a lot more. So that should actually work more in their favor as opposed to creating um, you know more more uh, more of a uh, cost burden.
0: but I um, yeah, I guess that sort of summarizes it. Uh, we've seen some of the big providers, some of the big corporate services companies and some of the fund servicing companies acquire Manco's to add it to their portfolio. Would you expect to see more of that kind of activity over the next 12 months? Um, Yes, I think we've seen some
1: quite significant deals. Um, I think that will continue. It'll be interesting to see how they, uh, let's say, how these uh, deals would differ from one another. Because I think every time we see that, we're sort of um observing or we're able to uh, to learn more about what the strategy is behind that that uh, uh you know initiative or uh, let's say behind that deal and i guess from my perspective the the two principal areas or the pr- two rationales that i would see is one is to drive scale and the other one would be to drive uh, capability probably in most deals we're going to be told that it's both uh but i guess depending on on uh, who's presenting it uh, it should probably be quite obvious whether you are really trying to build up a bigger platform or, or whether it's really focused on extending your um, capability in order to grow your you know, client base because you are now a more widespread provider.
0: I mean, many of these firms are private equity owned. Correct, yeah. Uh, I've heard some private equity names, uh, which I didn't even know before, are now yeah. very active in this market. What is it about this market that mm-hmm. PE loves? I think it's a
1: fairly stable business. You know, I think it's a business that, uh, uh, to the extent that these businesses were owned by other financial organizations over the last couple of years, they have been regarded as um, also opportunities to uh, divest because they are seen as attractive as they are looking to correct maybe some of the developments in in in-house. So they've maybe divested from these areas. And I guess Private equity has seen this as an opportunity to consolidate various players, right? So they see quite a lot of, um, of uh, let's say, service providers. Um, the services are uh, individually sometimes quite complex, but they are repeatable. They're, they're, you know, you have quite a lot of clients for a certain type of service in these houses. And then I guess there is um, a, a rationale... Uh, which says uh, by combining them, you're able to um, save on the cost side while expanding your portfolio of um, clients. I guess that's what attracts them. And then I guess also we do have this now at a, at a European level. So you have providers present in various European countries and in some cases also internationally. So I think it's also about um, bringing together different players potentially in different jurisdictions and trying to build an international group that previously was maybe more regional or even national.
0: However, in a COVID world where we still have only got 20% of business travel, right. optimistically speaking, um, uh, do you think we might be at a situation where mancos will be asked by asset managers to also engage in more actively in the sales and distribution part of the funds? Hmm. Well, I think that's a two-edged sword, I think is the expression, right?
1: The, um because on one hand, um, every man, uh, sorry, every asset manager uh, will obviously have the ambition to grow their assets, and um, if they have partners that can help them do that, then it's perfectly normal for them to uh, for to ask to be supported. Um, for the manco itself, um, it's obviously a, a question of uh, are they able to do that without compromising or without engaging in a conflict of interest, right? Because they would typically have more than one asset manager as a client. And you're right. I mean, some asset managers might expect, but but then there might be others who would have the contrary view, saying we absolutely don't want you to do that because that would mean that you would be promoting someone else's products as opposed to our own. So I guess it depends on how you view the world. Um, I personally am uh, quite a strong advocate for um, you know keeping things straight, as they say. And I think if you are a man, if you've got multiple asset manager clients, then. Active distribution is uh, is complicated, I'd say, and where I do see an opportunity is uh, you know distribution support, and this is a term that has um, is sometimes being confused, I think, with distribution. So I think in the area of distribution support services, there's a whole array of things that a manco can do uh, in order to support their clients. I'll also say though that um, you know mancos have historically been focused very much on portfolio management right risk management helping their clients uh, do the administrative tasks watching over portfolios watching over service providers and um, you know with hopefully without stepping on too many toes here the um, the uh, you know, you know di- the world of distribution hasn't exactly been one of their specialty areas in the past so I think there's room for, for
0: opportunity there and this there is one is. business you know quite well correct yeah
1: okay. I would, uh, I would agree with that, yeah. So, so this is what we're actually actively, um, uh, you know, not, not pursuing, but this is where we are very strongly positioning ourselves as a, uh, you know, p- service provider for funds and in some cases also in partnership, yeah? uh, very much in partnership with those um, mancos, who, um, and that works very well for us at Acolin. So we, uh, you know, on, on one hand we have direct clients, asset managers who work directly with us, but... Um, uh, this arrangement of partnerships with third-party mancos is actually one that works very well because we both always know you know who does what and um and what's our area of specialty and that way the client's happy in the
0: end can i ask you a question about data sure so we live in a world where there is increasing data requirements by almost everybody but especially as asset managers have to be more clear about the esg status of their products um what do you see as the the challenges, for example, for a fund administrator to provide enough transparency of data for their asset manager clients? Well, again, I think ESG,
1: as you mentioned, is a hot topic at the moment and uh, as it's relatively new at least, uh, you know we're struggling uh, to uh, to get our hands on the right data. so I think quality and availability, I guess would be the two things that come to my mind as being the biggest challenges. And we've seen that before, right? We've seen um, in the alternative space where sometimes, you know, price sources weren't as readily available. um, Administrators have had to find ways which were um, acceptable to regulators as well. So how do we price a non-quoted security or or another investment um, in the the appropriate way? And here now we are in the ESG space where, again, we have the challenge that we have an investment and how do we, we really rate it? How do we properly classify it? And uh, so I guess the biggest challenge for administrators would be around um, um, access to that data and the quality of it. Who's going
0: to incur the cost of paying to collect this data, though?
1: Well, I think if you, I mean, I would personally think that you would have to absorb the cost as an administrator if that's what you're going to be selling as a service, right? Um, um, and I would rather see that as an opportunity because if you really want to go into this business then I guess it's a, it's a cost that you have to incur, inevitably. Uh, but at the same time that will be your investment into future service capability. So so as you do that, I think uh, the, um, that will be your foundation to then offer a
0: hopefully you know, good service to your clients in that space. If we were having this conversation in five years time, do you think we'll, we will still be talking about ESG?
1: Well, I would hope that it progresses um, far enough that maybe we won't. um, That it'll become more um, part of normal life, right? That that it'll be integrated more into a standard uh, set of criteria, if you like, for investment. And I think we're starting to see some of that. I think that over the next five years, um, I hope that... um, You know, um, let's say performance events uh, will not uh, bring down what I think is a very positive development overall. But we all know that when um, performance is not maybe quite as good as it has been over the last couple of years, and sometimes pressures set in that, um, you know, strike away or move to the side certain good things that uh, would then be considered as some sort of luxury in the. in the investment process, whereas I think we have broad agreement now that it should not and is not a luxury, but it's something that needs to be embedded uh, in the whole investment approach. And, you know, we're working with the vast majority of our clients have this on their agenda. Uh, We're working with them, whether it's, uh, you know, due diligence on investments, uh, managing data, as you say, is key. And, um, yeah, I guess, you know, just one thing that comes to mind is the, this whole access to data discussion, I think, is important. And uh, you know, there's this theme out there. Many people have mentioned, um, you know, data being the new oil, being the new gold, and so forth. And um, you know, I'd like to think in the future, I'd rather want to be the refinery as opposed to the land with the oil underneath it. Because um, you have to get a bit lucky, right? If you have access to certain data, like uh, you know, countries like Saudi Arabia or Norway got lucky with being placed where they are. But I guess. Uh, being a refinery of data in the future, um, I think that'll be very valuable because data will become more available, and your capability to um, to manage it, to um, you know, analyze it, and to really get value out of it, that's going to be key.
0: Of course, that also changes the profile of people that you and other firms will need to hire. Totally, totally. Well, I think it's it's
1: for me personally, it's been uh, great that I've had the opportunity to. Um, to work in this space, yeah. So, so coming out of distribution operations, working with really, um, you know, great names in the industry, and then moving into a space that is more focused on data management, data analysis, and applying that to those processes is really um, has allowed me and 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 us to uh, to really
0: move up that, if you like, not value chain, but um, yeah, to move with the industry. Well, I think somebody in the Luxembourg government must be listening to you because uh, the government talks about data quite a lot. They've built a lot of hosting centres. Mm. Uh, are there any additional bits of advice that you would give our colleagues over at the Luxembourg government? Um,
1: no, I think you're right. I think there has been... Uh, a lot of things have been done. I think uh, the Luxembourgish government has um, has invested quite a lot in, into marketing the capabilities of Luxembourg and so forth. It's maybe not so much directed at... at the governments uh, who, who who come and go, you know, uh, some more often than others. But I guess it's more the implementation of that. So I think there's a lot of goodwill. I think there's a lot of good ideas um, as we put them out. I guess from an industry perspective, sometimes uh, we 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 value the the initiatives, the plans, and the ideas that are put out there. I guess uh, when it comes to implementation, um, um, execution of those things, that's where there's probably always room for improvement not just in in the governmental space um but I'm not sure if that answers your questions but that would probably be my response that's i think a lot of good ideas but implementation can probably be be still further improved
0: okay final question for you once again about the luxembourg jurisdiction what is the biggest risk to the jurisdiction would you say
1: Ah, uh, well the biggest risk i think is that we are maybe not um aware enough of what's going on elsewhere, because I think, uh, you know, you mentioned COVID before. I think that has not only physically, but also um, in some ways also led people to think more uh, regionally or locally even around their own surroundings. And that's also been, you know, promoted as something that's not so bad. And I would agree there are areas where that's actually a good thing. But it also means that, um, you know, other areas are doing the same. And particularly if you look to Asia, um, if you look to other areas, um, there's a hell of a lot lot going on there. Um, You know, there's a lot of volumes growing there. There's a lot of, you know, capability being built there. And, um, yeah, I guess that's the one thing that I would... uh, And Singapore
0: is almost back to normal, very high vaccination rates there.
1: Well I think that's that's a great example right I think Singapore on my list would be pretty much up there as uh, being a contender to uh, you know grow themselves as a platform in terms of volume but again also in terms of capability and as we know in this digital world you know things move a lot faster than they used to uh, 10 or 20 years ago so for someone to relocate for products uh, or services to relocate uh, that's much easier done today than it was uh, 10
0: years ago and that was Gert Rautenberg, who is the Chief Commercial Officer of Acklin and the CEO of GFA that was acquired six months ago. Gert, thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us at today's Club Insights podcast. If you like this, you can tune in to future podcasts wherever you find them at Spotify, Apple Music, or also at paperjam.lu. And if you'd like to join the PaperJam and Delano Business Club, simply send an email to club at paperjam.lu.